I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastWarm.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Marvelous. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The spell you run We'll be broken by Chris Jericho! And it's Friday! It's The People's Podcast has arrived! The remedy for boredom is here! Let's go for a ride! Talk is Jericho, baby! Talk is Jericho! Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. If you wanna know what's on my show, it's time to go. Yeah, boy. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Ooh, yeah. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Yeah. Woo. You can't always do covers. You got to do originals. That is Talk is Jericho, the original theme song for this show. I think it's going to win a Grammy pretty soon or an Emmy and a Tony. The show is packed today. What an amazing, amazing uh entertainment regatta we've got a real good friend of mine american idol alumni true rocker and pro wrestling fanatic james durbin is going to be here he's got a new record called celebrate that's out he was doing american idol the same time i was doing dancing with the stars durbin and i had some good time la adventures in between tv tapings you will love these stories and you know i wouldn't be doing this at all if not for you guys i just want to say thanks to all of you who've subscribed to talk is jericho on itunes and thanks to those of you for leaving five star ratings and comments i appreciate all the support if you're digging the show please tell your friends about it and i'll share some of your comments and do some shout outs after james durbin is done 
Big, big thanks to those of you doing all of your Amazon shopping through my links at podcastone.com. That's the easiest way to support the show. Amazon is a proud sponsor of Talk is Jericho. And every time you shop at Amazon through my link, Amazon gives a small percentage of your purchase back to the show to help us cover production costs. You don't have to buy anything special, and it won't cost you anything extra. So if you're going to be shopping anyway, please go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I've got Amazon links for the U.S., U.K., and Canada there. So thanks again for supporting the show. Now we set the uh, the number up on the Twitter. And we're going to take a couple calls this week. We haven't done that in a while. So let's get into it. Let's see what you got to say, Sexy Beast listeners. First up, from Richmond, Indiana, we got Josh on the line. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good, man. What's going on? Hey, we were uh, sitting here actually shooting the uh, shooting the stuff in the office talking about you know, some of your biggest matches. We wanted to know if there was a guy uh, that you wanted to officially compete with before you hang it up for good wow um yeah it's interesting because i've pretty much wrestled everybody that um that i ever could have wanted to 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 work against i think the last kind of big holdout that i didn't really work with much was undertaker and we worked together i guess about three or four years ago so once i crossed him off the list then you just get into fantasy territory i mean i never worked with bret hart obviously i can't because bret doesn't work anymore Never got to work with Owen Hart. Uh, I came to the WWE after he passed away. Um, never worked with Great Muda. I think that would have been kind of fun when he was, you know, in his prime a few years ago. I, I suppose technically that could still happen. But as far as uh, newer guys goes, you know, I've pretty much been in the ring with with everybody at this point um, that I can think of. Uh, what do you think, How about Josh? Anybody that you think of that, that you'd like to see me work with before I before I done before I'm done? I'd like to see you uh, do another uh, run with Dolph Ziggler. I think you guys put on some pretty great matches. Yeah, Dolph's great, man. I, I think that he, you know, as he is kind of experiencing, you go through your ups and downs when you're in the WWE for for a, any length of time. That's what longevity comes from. And sometimes you're working on top, and sometimes you're working on the bottom, and sometimes you're working in between. So I think Dolph uh, is now kind of working his way back up the ladder again. He's a great performer. Great personality, so uh, yeah, definitely that'd be a good one. Uh, it, it's interesting. I think if if I was gonna pick anybody to have, like, this is definitively my last match. Never work uh, wrestle again. You knew it for sure. I'd probably like to wrestle with, maybe with Lance Storm because okay. we we had our first match together, and it'd be cool to kind of you know bookend it and wrap it around and have our last match together as well. I've always kind of been into that sort of uh, doing things that no one's ever done. And I'm, I wonder if there's ever been anybody before that's had their first match and their last match against the same guy. You know, that'd be kind of something cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if anybody's going to do it, it'd probably end up being you, right? Yeah, we uh, we could rent out the Pinocchio Moose Hall in Pinocchio, Alberta, which is where we had our first match. And I think there was probably 75 people there. And maybe we could sell it out and fit maybe 175 people in the place. That'd be an exclusive VIP tickets available only for the uh, for the last match ever. Jericho versus Storm. Pinocchio Moose Hall. Get ready, baby. I'm going to book it. And Josh, I'll send you uh, an invite to be there in the front row. Can't wait. All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling. Yes, sir. Good luck on Sunday. Thanks, brother. All right, it's time to take the next caller. Uh, we don't have a name or uh, uh, where this person is from, but uh, who do we have on the line here? Doesn't my voice sound familiar? 
Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. Huh. <laughs> it's so quick, Chris. It gets on quick. All right, so you had the audacity to, to, to call me on, on Talk as Jericho. Uh, I was taking fan calls, but now you called in. Uh, wow. Talk, Chris. Well, let's talk, Wyatt. Let's talk. There can be, there can be no violence over a telephone. Just to talk. Well, I'm glad, actually, that you called, because I do have some questions for you. Uh, the last three or four weeks of my life, you've been uh, you know, attacking from behind. You've been uh, beating me down from behind. You've, been, you've been, been following me around everywhere, Wyatt. Let me ask you this question. Why did you set your sights on me? Why, why, why are you doing this? I respect you, Chris. I respect you so much that I knew that people watch you. And people listen to what you say, Chris. And I think you should be honored to have me come after you. After all, Chris, uh, the short year that I've been in the WWE, I've went after all the biggest names, and I've made them look like fools. But you, you're something different. I've never experienced anything quite like you, Chris. You're this vibrant rock star, but you still have the people. No matter what you do, you come, you go, and you leave them. They still follow you, Chris. Even though you abandon them on a regular basis, they follow you. So when I came after you, I wanted to show the people that there was someone that still cared, someone different, someone that won't leave them. It's that simple. Well, I mean, Wyatt, you've been manipulating. You've been fooling everybody. It seems like you're the false prophet. I mean, we talked last week on Raw and all the things that you say. You say, Jericho, you're a savior. Jericho, you're not a savior. Jericho, you're not a savior. And you call yourself a god, Wyatt. I mean, you kind of come off almost as the ultimate hypocrite and, and, and the ultimate manipulator. And you have had an amazing, amazing year in the WWE, but SummerSlam is going to be the toughest fight of your life. Why do you realize that? Because now I'm I'm ready to go. And you, like I said, uh, the, the, I am Y2J. Throw Y2J away. This is Jericho and Wyatt. This is two warriors, two two competitors at the top of their game. And Wyatt, you don't have your your biggest guys with you. You don't have Harper and, and Rowan with you at ringside. It's just you and me, man, face to face, voice to voice. I wouldn't have took. You won if I didn't think it would be a challenge, Chris. I live for that. I'm not a man. I'm a god. And at some slam, it would be very apparent to you that of that as well. Harper and Rowan will not be there. It's a pity. But what you don't understand is that I am never alone. Where they are too, we are a million. What if there's more, Chris? What if there's others? What if you do get close to beating me? What if it all it took was me to send out a signal and I could have waves beyond waves of more? Well, on the other side, what if I didn't need them? What if it was only me? Chris, this is a challenge for me, yes, sure. But what are you willing to give up? How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to lose, Chris? <laughs> I think I'm willing to lose it all, Wyatt. Like I said, you're a big, dark black spider filled with poison and i know i've tasted that poison on sister abigail's kiss 
many, many times, but I've got an antidote for the poison, Bray Wyatt, and the poison antidote is called Y2J. And what's going to happen if I spray you in the face with that antidote? You've got the whole world in your hands. I've got the whole WWE universe in mind. What are you going to do when 10, 12, 15,000 Jericho-holics chant Y2J, get behind me? What's going to happen to you on that end when there's a whole arena of people cheering for me? There's not going to be cell phones being ha- held up and the lights and the, and the darkness and the, and, the, and the rocking chair. All that stuff is gone. All that stuff is, is garbage compared to what's going to happen now. This is you and me. SummerSlam. One of the biggest shows of the year. One of the biggest matches of the year. Jericho and Wyatt. Can you take it, Wyatt? Can you handle it? I hope to God that you have that same enthusiasm in Los Angeles. Because I want there to be something left in you. It's very end. When I look you in the eyes and I say goodbye, I want you and everyone else to remember why. Goodbye, Chris. Wow. That was, uh, that was very unexpected. I was not, uh, uh, expecting that at all. Yeah, I don't know if I want to take any more calls. That was, um, like I said, Wyatt versus Jericho. Uh, this week at SummerSlam, this Sunday at SummerSlam. Boy, that was like something out of a movie, wasn't it? Almost like uh, Batman and, and, and the Joker going uh, going one-on-one over the phone, I guess. A little bit of phone uh, phone build up there. So, I don't know, guys. This Sunday I'm going to be uh, at SummerSlam versus Bray Wyatt. And you can tell he's off his rocker. He's He's, he's, he's a great competitor. He uh, seems to be a little bit insane, and uh, I think I can get a little insane too. Wyatt, you want to get crazy? Let's get crazy at SummerSlam. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Ha-ha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. All right, on the line right now, my old pal, haven't talked to you in a long time, James Durbin is here. What's going on, man? What's going on, Chris? How are you? It's good to talk to you, dude. I'm doing good. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to talk to you after you've released your second record, 
which is uh, it's really really cool to see you've come so far, kid. Thanks, bud. <laughs> so how is how's it going? The new record is called Celebrate, and it's a it's a little bit of a departure from the from the last record. It's it's more uh, more of I guess you'd say of a, of a mainstream type of a sound. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, totally. I mean, my fan base is very big, and and they're all very different. And I think that you can see eye to eye with this as well. Right. Um, American Idol fans are a lot like wrestling fans. They range in age from the youngest kids you've ever met to the oldest people you're surprised they're still living and that they actually listen to music Mm -hmm. or watch wrestling. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I I run into a lot of people that are like, I love your voice, but your your first record, there was, there weren't too many songs I was able to enjoy. Like people like my mom, for Mm -hmm, instance, mm -hmm. you know, I want to, I want to be able to, they say you can't please everybody, but, um, trying to please the other half with this record. Well, I mean, it's it's funny because on American Idol, you were, I mean, you were kind of the rock guy and I was just going back and looking through all the songs that you sang on American oh. Idol and it's like it's like a playlist that I would put together. I mean, there's a lot of cool tunes from Beatles to Priest to, you know, Sammy Hagar and you did like so many other type of uh like R&B type tunes and I mean, you obviously have a very diverse influences that you've always kind of worn on your sleeve, but the first record was definitely more of a, of a hard rock type record. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a, a post post grunge. Uh, yeah. Active rock leaning kind of a record. Mm-hmm. Now, but, but is that kind of where, where is that where your influences lie? Like who, who, who do you really dig? I mean, I know you're, you're a metal guy, but, but you must have other, other sides to you as well. And we see that on celebrate. Yeah, I think I think in some of the songs on Celebrate, I'm a little bit embracing my inner Paul Stanley. <laughs> now, how I do mean, you mean? You look, at, you look at Paul, and yeah, he's you know one half of the lead singers of Kiss, but he's and then the perfect frontman. Mm-hmm. But he's also he's also fruity, <laughs> and he's not afraid of it. You know, he's he's not afraid of of wearing a a long veed unitard. And bearing his chest and, and right. blowing the audience. You know? Bearing his hairy chest. Yeah. So I, I'd like to think that, you know, some songs on Celebrate, like the title track, for instance, Celebrate, it's kind of a R&B, I, I wouldn't call it R&B. They're, but po- they're pop it. songs, though, like more pop-oriented for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've certainly talked to people in the metal world and they were like, you know, I, I think that a lot of these songs are a little bit more suited for your voice. So, you know, I mean, people can see it either way. Mm-hmm. I still love to get up with a band and, you know, rock the hell out of a show and, and melt people's faces. I mean, when you got into Idol, you already been playing in bands and, and you know how it is. I mean, just because you have a record out doesn't mean that you instantly become a millionaire and live on a mansion in the hill. You know, that's when the hard work really starts. Or even that you've been on TV. I mean, I think a lot of people's misconceptions about people that are on reality shows or, or anything is that you're getting paid the big the big bucks. You no, know, it's not really that true. Right. It's more for it's more for promotion than anything, and and you're promoting your image, you're promoting your name. I mean, that's basically what I got paid. I got paid a a name. They took my name and they put it on a certain level, and so it's up to me to you know not waste it. So, so when you're on American Idol, are you getting some kind of a of a of a pay, like some kind of weekly pay? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you get the SAG um, Screen Actors Guild, the AFTRA, 
you know, you get paid that uh, weekly for being on the show for TV time. And then when you start recording your songs, you get paid a, a flat rate for each song. So, but yeah, but when you're there for the, for like you said before, you even start recording, you're dealing with like a hundred, hundred like, a, like a few hundred bucks a week, right? It's not like you're yeah. making thousands or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, not at all. Who was it? You had on, you had a, uh, you had Miz on, and he was talking about being on the Real World. That's right, yeah. And and how he, you know, they gave him like a couple hundred bucks a month. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't compare it necessarily to that because we weren't able to, you know, go out places and be on our own. Except when I met you, but we'll get into that later. We uh, that's right. <laughs> we broke those rules. Well, let, let's talk about about kind of your journey um, on American Idol. Like, how does that work? Tell us the whole way that you got into the auditions and uh, kind of go run through that with us because Idol being one of the most popular shows on TV. But tell us about the inner workings of how 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 it works. So, as my story goes, I was delivering pizzas at Domino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. I had my fiance at home at the cheapest, you know, uh, creepiest apartment um, <laughs> in Santa Cruz. Have you ever seen the documentary, I Think We're Alone Now? It's about the Tiffany stalker, the singer from the 80s, Tiffany. No, it, sound, it, it it's sounds on, cool. It's on Netflix. you got to watch it. The main stalker, his name is Jeff Turner, he was our neighbor oh. in the complex that we <laughs> lived at in Santa Cruz, and he still lives there. He wear the same disgusting clothes every day. He dig through our trash. I tried to throw away these. Uh, they were Iron Maiden, The Killers, Vans, high tops. Yeah. So tore up. I tried to throw them away, and he kept taking them out of the trash. He wouldn't let me throw them away. <laughs> I still have them. I still have them because I'm afraid he's going to come to my house. <laughs> well, and, and, and if they were Tiffany Chuck Taylors, then he would have taken them for sure. Oh, of course. He'd be wearing them right now. <laughs> Absolutely. But they should make Tiffany Chuck Taylors. I'm going to throw that out there right now. I'd wear them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay, sure. so you live, you live in a seedy place. you got crazy neighbors, and you're delivering pizzas. Yeah, exactly. So uh, idle auditions were coming up. My, She's my wife now, Heidi. She, she, I was talking to her, and she kind of just uh, she brought it up to me. Um, mm-hmm. I had auditioned once before, uh, right when we met, and that was back in 2008. And I, I didn't make it past the first round. Um, the thing with Idol is there's many, many, many rounds. There's about six rounds before you actually get to the judges. So do you go to like a giant stadium and there's like, is it like they show on TV where there's thousands of people in the stadium? Yeah, that's the first one you go to. And they then show what... that on TV, they film it, but when they actually air it, when you know they show the thousands of thousands yeah. of people, there were seventeen and a half thousand people that auditioned oh in goodness. San Francisco on that cold, freezing, wet August morning in two thousand ten. So, but you don't. There's obviously way too many people to audition one at a time. How do you do it? Like, it's like a well, they they herd you in like cattle. Um, the first day of quote-unquote auditions is the waiting game mm-hmm. uh, the waiting game and um that's when everyone lines up you wait in line we waited in line for 18 hours that day holy um, smokes starting off at three or four in the morning and not getting out of there till whatever 18 hours later and um and then we that was just to get a wristband so that i could come back the next day and have a spot in line to audition Really? That basically, that basically gave me my number. You know, it's like you're at the soup kitchen or whatever. Yeah. You pull yeah, number, yeah. There you go. You're waiting in line even longer. Um, so, yeah, then we, we went back, 
waited in line another 18 hours just to get into the stadium, waited in, you know, at our seats at, uh, this was Giant Stadium mm-hmm. in San Francisco, AT&T Park. So we waited there like another five hours, and then they call you up. There's 12 tents. Each tent has two producers on the show, people that work for 19 or people that work for Idol. 19 is the company that... Yeah. Um, that produces the show or... That produces the show, exactly. Right. So there'll be 12 tents, two people at a tent. They will line you up with six people. Six other uh, contestants, auditioners. auditioners, right. And then they'll line you up. You line up in front of the tent. They'll have the first person step forward. You'll say, my name is Chris Jericho. I'm however many years old you are. And uh, then you just start singing. And um, some people, you know, they'll get to sing one song. Others, they'll ask you to keep singing more songs. In my case, I was one of six. And uh, yeah, they had me sing, so I started to sing. I sang, God, what did I sing for my first one? I think I sang Who's Loving You by the Jackson 5 in the original key, because I really wanted to hit that prepubescent Michael note. <laughs> and so uh, I hit it, and it was great. And then they asked me and one other guy to stay. His name was Bruce. He had one hand... Uh, one of his hands, his nails were painted, and he was singing Barbara Streisand. Um, and he had a penguin painted on his fingers. <laughs> I, 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 Good I memory. Swear to God, I swear to God, yeah. And uh, his name was Bruce. So they asked Bruce to sing. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, they wanted us to duke it out and see who could get it. Right. So they had him sing. He sang some show tunes. And uh, then they had me sing, and they just kept going back and forth. They were trying to figure me out. Mm-hmm. because they kept asking me to sing different songs to see what my range was, where I was comfortable with, what I actually wanted to do. And so they said, sing the song that if this is your last time singing, this is the song you're going to sing. You're singing basically for your life, uh-huh. which I was, because I had just gotten laid off at Domino's. I had asked if I could have the days off to audition for Idol. They told me I wouldn't be able to. Uh, so I went into work. Sunday, and everyone, all my coworkers were there. Turns out the owners called us all into the back kitchen and said, we're running our business on no money, we're bankrupt, and we're fleeing the state uh, tomorrow. We're so fleeing you're all the out st- of a job tomorrow. Yeah, we're fleeing the state to avoid being audited. <laughs> we're, we're booking it out to... Well, so you're, you, you're at the lowest of the low. I mean, you can't even give away your chucks to the, to the Tiffany stalker. Your Domino's <laughs> pizza job, the owners are leaving the state. You got nothing going on. This is like your last chance. Yeah. So I got laid off on Sunday. Then it was Monday. And then Tuesday were the idol auditions, if you can believe that. Wow. That's not divine intervention. That's I right. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's fate. So I sang my songs the last song that they had me sing that I picked, if I was singing for my life, You Shook Me by Led Zeppelin. Muddy oh. Waters by Led Zeppelin. Wow. So I sang that, and I sped up the beginning a little bit so that I could hit the big high note. You know, you shook me so baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I held it. I held it as long as I could, and as heavy and powerful, and just putting so much emotion into it as I could. And then I stopped, and I, I, you know, came back down. And then I, like, just, I felt the presence and the energy of eyes staring at me. And I looked over, and I found Heidi 
my wife in the uh, in the stadium in like at our wow. seats, and she's standing there and she heard me and she's crying and she has her hands like over her face and I look in front of me and the producers have taken their shades off and the Bruce <laughs> Bruce standing next to me was just like whoa <laughs> Bruce's awesome. penguins were even impressed <laughs> yeah the penguin. <laughs> On his pinky, was impressed. <laughs> so they were spending a lot of time with you at this point, because you know, like you said, it's a cattle call. But they were giving you a, a, a chance. Is it because of your look, or just because they, they the way you sang the first song, or, or is that what they were like with everybody? No, I mean they really weren't like that with everybody. Hmm. I mean, I, I think I think it's all about showing a lot of character, showing a lot of personality, um, not showing any ego, but just continuing to show that you really mean it. Okay. So, and that you're different. Right, that you I mean, stand out I mean, of it. Yeah, I mean, people can compare me to other people and, and compare you to other people and whatever, but, I mean, we go out there and we do our best to be ourselves mm-hmm. and to be different and to be, you know, I mean, there already is everybody else. We don't need more of everybody yeah, else. Yeah. We need more... Individual. Freaks. Yeah, more freak. <laughs> so, so after you hit those notes and everything like that, what's the next stage? They say come back tomorrow, or they say you're in, or well, then my poor fiance had to stay out in the stadium. Um, my phone was dead. I had no way of getting in contact with her. Mm-hmm. I met with uh, Nigel Lisko, who was the producer, mm-hmm. like that main head honcho. Yeah, producer. he's the boss. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then I had to walk all the way around the stadium. So it was kind of like the. The winner's circle. You walk all the way around the outfield. And uh, I was doing freaking cartwheels. I started to moonwalk, and I got yelled at by security because I was kicking up the dust on the trail on the outside of the, <laughs> outside of the field. And, uh, <laughs> and then I come around the other end, and there's Ryan Seacrest. It was like the first, I mean, like, TV. Wow. I don't know. I can't really say first famous person I met because I met the honky-tonk man, and he was a jerk. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it was the first nice Ryan person you met. I'm like, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah, one of the nicest people I've met. So what does he and say to you? He was, he was filming something, and I couldn't think of anything to say. I was like, yo, Seacrest, woo-hoo. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, hey, buddy. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it was stupid. And then and then I go backstage, and I, I go into the, into the offices and stuff, and they just give me a bunch of paperwork to fill out. And they say, okay, we need you back. Be at this hotel tomorrow or the next day or something, or on Friday or whatever mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. it was Wednesday. So I went home and got ready, but they said, you have to wear the same thing that you wore for today's audition. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. I had to keep wearing the same exact outfit. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because they want to keep, keep the continuity uh, on the show between days. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the beginning rounds. Right. I mean, they can't do it any other way. So uh, I went back with my same outfit on, waited in the cold for even more, even longer hours. Um, they put us in one holding room, and then you have uh, a meeting with other producers. You sing in front of them. You can get cut at any moment. They mm-hmm. can cut you at any moment. Um, so I made it past three more rounds that day. Then they said that they wanted to come do a home story on me, and they sent cameras to my house and filmed us. Uh, just hanging out mm-hmm. and just being a family and interviewed us and and uh, yeah and then after that I didn't hear back from them for months. Wow. Okay. Um, it was probably two months since I heard back from them. 
And then I did, and then they said, all right, we're going to do our judges round. It's your time. Your time has come. And so they uh, shipped us over to the same hotel, and I brought my family, and we all got a little dressed up and warmed up and went over to San Francisco and waited another 15 and- hours to sing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot of no, waiting. But It's a lot of waiting, but too, but it's a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, you... You had been in a, in a band and sang, but was was it? How did you feel going out there with the judges? Because then it's you and what was it? It was Jennifer Lopez, was Steven Tyler that year? Yeah, Randy Randy Jackson, right? Yeah, I mean that that was definite pressure. Because I mean, I mean Steven Tyler's one of your. I mean, I don't know if he's one of your heroes, but obviously, if you're a rock singer and you're you're talking about Steven Tyler, he's one of the gods of of, of rock and roll singers, you know? Yeah, and uh, having to sing in front of him. First off, also being uh, a guy that screams, second off, and then also I asked him personally, I kind of mumbled through it, but I asked him if I could sing Dream On as one of my audition songs. <laughs> That's right. I, don't, yeah. I didn't know what I was thinking, but I did it. I started like, I just had this complete flow of emotions over me. I mean, I just lost my job. I'm a young dad. I didn't expect, I mean, still to this day, I didn't expect any of that. Any, anything in my life to actually happen the way that it did. I was mm-hmm. living at my mom's. I was a wake-and-bake pot smoker. Um, I never had a job. I was 19, never had a job, never got my license. Well, and not, to, and not to mention, we'll get into this too, and also you have, you have Asperger's and Tourette's <laughs> syndrome as well. Yeah. So you have all of these things that are kind of all circulating uh, around you. Yeah, just kind of seems like life was working against me at some point but mm-hmm. then i met heidi and then i started to want to achieve greatness mm-hmm. i started to want to become better because she's a woman she's nine years older than me she's a woman so i'm like mm-hmm. this little boy and i just <laughs> you know started growing hair in really odd places man i just <laughs> wanted to i just wanted to be hers i wanted those hairs to be hers <laughs> well, I mean, the first time I met you, uh, you know, it, we we kind of met and had a, uh, were kindred spirits at the time because we were both doing competition shows with a lot of pressure and a lot of rehearsal and a lot of different things you had to do. I was doing Dancing with the Stars, and you were doing um, Idol, obviously. And I, I remember because uh, I was a huge Idol fan at the time, and I remember seeing you know seeing oh here's another rock guy, which is great because I think the year before you Adam Lambert was on. And it's always good to have the guys that sing like some actual rock and roll because everybody I find on that show falls into a certain trap of singing the same kind of pop styling. So I kind of were watching you. And then the one day uh, you started talking about wrestling and they had Hulk Hogan uh, 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 surprise you on stage. Complete surprise. Oh, my God. Because you're 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 a massive you're a massive wrestling fan. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at my shelf right now. I have a box. Of uh, unopened WWF uh, yeah. featuring WrestleMania three tops trading cards, um, <laughs> a Chris Jericho looking like uh, Kurt Cobain bobblehead. Oh, I hate that thing. Paul Stanley bobblehead with an amazing nine pack of abs. <laughs> nine pack of abs. So, what was the deal with the Hogan thing? How did that get arranged, and how did that come about? I thought that Idol had arranged it. They didn't. Hmm. Hogan. Hogan was watching Idol. He was watching the auditions, and it showed my audition. And in my house, which I still have, a uh, different house, mm-hmm. but um, I have a NWO uh, Hollywood Hogan refrigerator magnet 
I've had it for years. <laughs> I always put it on the fridge. He saw that magnet, brother, and he contacted Fremantle <laughs> Media 19 and said, I want to be a part of this, brother. I want to be a part of this, dude. Hogan always looking for a way to get on TV. Smart. Uh, yeah. Smart guy. He called Idol. Okay, so then what happens? Well, then we were... It was because when he came out, it was for the, it was to tell us that we were going on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like you've made the top ten, right? Because on Idol, we, uh, there's twelve people on Idol, and the first two get eliminated, they don't get to go on tour, which I always thought was a real, a real uh, fu. But so you made the top ten, so now you get to go on the tour. Yeah, the day before we did that show, that taping, um, it was actually live. But mm-hmm. the day before we did it, they had us all put like pillows together in the big idol mansion and have a wrestling match. Okay. And they, they wanted me to say something like, you know, something really brash and cocky to Hulk Hogan or something. And then, yeah. And then they'd have him come out and I, it was seriously complete shock. But everyone that I saw that day, like I had a feeling something was going to happen, but I had no idea that it would be Hulk Hogan coming out. And when the doors opened behind me, and the red and yellow lights start flashing, and it's playing Eye of the Tiger, because he was in TNA at that point. <laughs> and, no, and no one could recognize him by his TNA entrance music. I don't even know what it was. Whatever it was, right? <laughs> and, uh, like, I turn around behind me, and it, I thought that it was someone in a costume. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought it was one of the security guards in a costume, because I, I swear to you, I saw, like, a line going from, like, his headband to his mustache. Like, if it was a... a I don't know, like a piece of string holding it on, <laughs> which, which it could have been. But it was, yeah, it was like, and then he came out, and the lights focused, and I just hit the floor. I, I swear to you, I almost crapped my pants, and my jaw dropped. You know, people say their jaws dropped. Uh-huh. Go back and watch that video. My jaw is off the hinges. Oh, I, wa- I watch it. I rem- I'm crying. I remember the look on your face was just complete and utter, like, like you said, like bringing Mickey Mouse into a, a three-year-old's birthday party. They're just like, ah! Holy crap, it's Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> you were so excited. And that's when I was like, man, this is super cool. I, you know, I thought that was the, I thought it was so uh, genuine and, and, and so funny. And we had kind of tweeted each other back and forth a bit. Because like you said, one of the rules of being on uh, Dancing with the Stars, I don't know why, was we weren't allowed to kind of cross the line of doom and go over to the Idol studios. And I just, you know, you know, yeah. I, I, you know me, I don't care about stupid stuff like that. I was like, I want to go over this. So I walked over there and I saw some security guards. I was like, hey, is James Durbin around anywhere? Where's this guy? And then that's when the, they brought you out to, to, we got a chance to say hi and, and meet each other for the first time. Yeah, I, I imagine it was pretty awkward. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it, it, I noticed, and one thing I noticed uh, big time was that uh, over the years, you know, whatever kind of, I don't even know what you'd say, like issues that, that you had with, with, with your Asperger's and your Tourette's, when I first met you, you didn't really talk a lot, and there was a lot of, I don't know, stuttering or whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is that you would do. Now it's 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 almost gone. Like, were you really nervous back then, uh, and rightfully so? And did that make kind of the uh, the symptoms for 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 the diseases kind of act out more? Yeah, I mean that's how it's always been with with a lot of change and just being kind of not necessarily uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but uncomfortable. Yeah, 
yeah, I just I would just get really nervous and uh, and just kind of like cave into myself. And then what I started to do was realize that when I'm on stage and I'm loud and, and active and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of putting on a show, I can wear a different hat. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I, can, I can be comfortable in my own skin if I'm throwing my hands around and just being yeah. loud and... Uh, yeah, like per- performing, if you're performing on stage, which, which you would think, you know, now you're kind of the, pr- the pressure is on you being in front of millions of people on TV and being, you know, in front of thousands live. But that's when you, you really thrived. It was just on one-on-one type scenarios that, it, that, the, that those symptoms would come out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like I said, I noticed that at first and then as the more we hung out, because we hung out quite a bit uh, back, back at that time because we were both out there without our families um, uh-huh. both kind of, you know, it's a lot of pressure being on one of those shows, man. Like every week, you never know if it's your last week. It, it, it's really tough to do that. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're both out there busting our asses, working our butts off away from our families. I don't know how it was with you, but my family couldn't come visit. They couldn't as in they couldn't do it or they weren't allowed to. Like they weren't allowed to. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it was, it was just, it was just really weird. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that that was going on, but I remember a couple times when you guys would be when dancing would be doing their taping, or your your live show. Yeah, I would upstairs on our end. There's a little hallway between <laughs> the Dancing with the Stars. I don't know, like studio uh, costume room. Yeah, okay. Like the wardrobe room where they make your clothes and yeah, and uh, and my, <laughs> and and the idols' wardrobe room. My stylist Art Con, he put on. Uh, Kirstie Alley's dancing dress, her performance dress. He put it on with the heels and everything. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. But there's this there's this very small Phantom of the Opera esque uh, corridor mm-hmm. that leads to a still very Phantom esque. Um, yeah, like a little, uh, like a little, like like a uh, like a catacomb type of a thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I'd sometimes go up there when I knew you guys were taping, so I could watch your performances. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. like it was. It was kind of positioned right over your green room in the in the studio. Oh, no kidding! Wow. See the floor. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of felt like Paul Stanley being the Phantom. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of like summer camp when you're sneaking into the into the girls' uh, girls' cabin area to spy on them. Yeah. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. James Durbin's still hanging on the line with us on Talk is Jericho. So you mentioned, man, that uh, we went out when we were both taping shows in L.A. We went and saw Rod Stewart and Stevie Nicks, and we went I mean, to... That was the big one. Yeah. That was the big one. I mean, I, I, I remember sneaking out of the back. Yeah, so you... Because, because at the Idol, at our hotel, we had like five security guards downstairs, and our contestant wranglers wouldn't let us wouldn't let us go anywhere i mean we couldn't even go to the store really so you weren't allowed to go out were they scared that you're gonna go out and get drunk or get in trouble or yeah that we would get in trouble and but also because we didn't know like 
the magnitude of, you know, our fame at that point. The fan base, right. Right. Yeah, the fan base, in which we found out at the Rod Stewart Stevie Nicks concert. People when we got were mobbed. going nuts for you. You got grabbing mobbed. Grabbing my clothes, the drunk people grabbing at me. And they, they were pushing me out of the way to get to you. <laughs> it's true. It's the truth, man. I remember I had to drag you out through kind of a, I don't know if it was a secret area, but through the security area. Cause I was like, the security guy was like, you can't go this way. I'm like, dude, trust me. This kid is getting mobbed. If we don't leave through this, you know, secret tunnel or whatever it was, yeah. he's going to be some issues. Yeah. And then that was also the night the valet crashed your car. I was just telling that story the other day. We went to the Hollywood Bowl to see Rod Stewart and, and Stevie Nicks. We snuck out. Yeah, and I didn't know that you had to sneak out. I didn't realize that you actually had to sneak out. I thought you just said, I'm going to do a gig. Because I was like, you're an American Idol contestant. They should they should want you to go see Stevie Nicks and Rod Stewart. It's like, you know, on-the-job training. No, I snuck out. Okay, so you <laughs> snuck out. We go, I had I had a rented car, and we go to the Hollywood Bowl. We, we, I remember I remember it was, it was the truck. like a boat. Yeah, it was a big boat for whatever reason. It was like a big, I don't know if it was a Cadillac or whatever the hell it was. And we were so disappointed because we got there a little bit late, and we're like, there's no way Stevie Nicks is going on on time. And, of course, she did go on on time, and we missed the first half of her set, which really bugged me. Uh, so then yeah. we go see Rod Stewart, and it wasn't bad. It was, uh, I remember Stevie blew him away. We go, back, we go back to the valet, and the car pulls up, and the guy gives us the keys, as calm as ever, and the whole back trunk area <laughs> is completely destroyed. Like the trunk won't even close. It's that messed up. Like it's like it's like he drove. It's like he got hit by a semi or something. I don't know what the hell happened. He backed into a a a light like like a light post. Some but backed into it like at thirty miles an hour. Like I don't know what the hell happened. But and then he tried to he tried to explain to you that you brought it to him in that shape, (laughs) or or also that he had video footage of you in a car accident down at Hollywood and Highland. Yeah, before the... Because he was playing it off like, uh, here's your keys. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is what? Like, you don't... like The, the whole th- back end is trash. Like, what? Like, no, it isn't. Like, he was just like, whatever. And he's like, well, no, you gave it to me that way. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And then he brought some other guy. Like you said, that there was a witness. And I was getting so mad... But the the bottom line was I had to tie the trunk down with a with a, a piece of rope or a t shirt or something I think it was whatever we had and Rod then t shirt or something yeah yeah Rod Stewart t shirt <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to call the Hollywood Bowl uh, and they're like they're like an orchestra organization so I had to call the Hollywood Bowl Symphony Executive Orchestrated you know president. And explain to him what happened, but I'll I'll say this: I I never heard anything more about it once I got a hold of that guy who was on top of the Hollywood Bowl, and I th- I thought for sure I'm screwed, like I'm gonna I'm, they're gonna get me on this, and they didn't. I never heard from anybody else again, so they took care of it. You know, it took two or three months to do so, but I forgot about that. That that son of a bitch came up to me and just gave me the keys back, like everything was a okay, no problems. Here you go, boss. <laughs> so yeah, oh, so. Man. So you were sneaking out of there, man. I didn't know that because we went to the Iron Maidens. We used to go to the Rainbow all the time and hang out at the Rainbow, basically just to get out of get out of the apartment, get out of the hotel. Yeah, I remember the Iron Maidens concert, and we got there late. Also, who? What were we there with? Uh, with with Gar- Jeans and Rika. <laughs> Jeans and Rika. Yeah. Now the, this is the Iron Maidens, not Iron Maiden. It's a female Iron Maiden tribute band called the Iron Maidens. And the lead singer yeah, is Bruce Chickenson. Yeah, the world's only lead singer is Bruce Chickenson. I always love that. <laughs> we got there late, and I guess 
the very first opening band was a Kiss tribute band. Oh, that's right. And the second... And they were, and they were tiny. Were they, were and they... I remember I got like a... Went to the bar and got a Pabst. You know, got a, got a nice... <laughs> a PBR. Yeah, and then and then uh, Fake Freely, Fake Ace Freely, comes up to me. He's like, hey, you're the Durban dude from Idol. And he was totally in, in full Ace Freely <laughs> yeah. hammered. Uh, and uh, and then the fake Paul Stanley comes up behind me, scares me, and I spill my paps on him. <laughs> on the fake Ace or on the fake Paul Stanley? On the fake Paul Stanley. <laughs> oh, All <yeah>. his feathers. <laughs> People! I spilled a beer today! <laughs> well, <laughs> so, and then we, we mentioned earlier about the... Um, the fan, the fans that were kind of uh, not even attacking you, but like everybody knew who you were at Idol. I mean, y- your fan base was off the charts, massive from that show um, throughout the whole time that 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 you were on it. Did, was, how was that for you to kind of go from, like you said, being laid off at Domino's Pizza to being, you know, one of the most recognizable people in America at that time for all the people that were watching Idol? I mean, it was definitely fun. It was. I mean, it was really fun. <laughs> but I, I, I think, I think I did actually. Though I, I kind of lost my head. It, 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 a lot of it went to my head. But I think that that was my demise. No, um, really. How, how do you mean? Tell me about that. I mean, I went from being a, a, a humble, you know, small town kid from Santa Cruz with a fiance and a and a newborn son, and then I get taken and plucked from my plucked from my. I mean, the, the warmth of my home and my family, the only thing I know, mm-hmm. and then thrown into Hollywood in front of TV and cameras and, you know, paparazzi and given all these expensive $1,000 sports jackets and, you know, $800 pairs of sunglasses and $5,000 watches and all this stuff for free. Yeah, they're giving it to you, right. And it's, it's, it's a facade. It's not real. None of it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, it's all put on. It's fake. It's fluff. And I bought into it, you know. I bought into the, you know, the five star catering every day, and the, and the, you know, five star hotels and everything. And then, like, you know, made a record, and then went on tour in a van, and you know, staying at the the Motel Six, and like, you know, taking showers at truck stops, and uh-huh. wearing my flip, forgetting my flip flops. God, what am I gonna do? I had to wear my socks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like. So kind of the cold reality of the business came crashing down on you after Idol was over? I guess in a sense, yeah. But, you know, I mean, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. But, I mean, I mean, how old were you at the time? 23? Um, when I went down to L.A. for the first day of Hollywood week, the very beginning of the, you know, when the actual TV taping started to happen, mm-hmm. um, was my 22nd birthday. Wow, so you were literally just a kid... Yeah. So yeah. So you like were you were you be, were you treating people bad? I mean, you said you bought into it. Like, what what, what were you buying into? Like, it went to your head. Were you just you think that you think that your shit didn't stink, or what was the what was the deal? Yeah, basically that. I mean, I, I just I don't know. I, I developed a heel persona, kind of, where I just <laughs> kind of started acting all brash and cocky, and just like you know, just just didn't care, and 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 just got that mm-hmm. you know, like that that douchebag metalhead kind of like. Mm. You know, I never, I never, than you. I never, than you I, I never really noticed that for for the times that we hung out. But maybe we didn't hang out as much, or maybe you didn't act that way around me because you knew I'd, I'd whip your ass. But I never noticed yeah, that's, that. That's it. I mean, 
No, I mean, I, I didn't act that way around you because you knew me before that. Right. You know? Right, right, I mean, right. Not, not long before it, but definitely before it. And it was kind of like, I don't know, like getting to hang out with you was like being at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Like you remind me of my friends. Yeah, we like I said, we we kind of like... Uh, you know, it, it was it was a way to get away from all the pressure and all all of that. Just go to the rainbow and have some uh, mozzarella sticks. Mozzarella sticks in the Dio table. <laughs> it's right, exactly. With, with jeans and uh, with jeans, Garfano and uh, Is, and yeah, 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 exactly. It was it was a good way to kind of kind of get rolling. Now, did you get a chance to to ever hang out with Steven Tyler? Did you ever talk to him more than just at the show, or were you allowed to even hang out with the judges? "Quote unquote." Yeah, we weren't allowed to hang out with the judges. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I still love to talk to him and just kind of, you know, just kind of do this and just, just shoot it, you know, mm-hmm. just, just go for it, and just talk. You know, it doesn't have to be about idol or, or music business. It could be about anything. It could be about, you know, what kind of toast he ate for breakfast. And yeah, my English muffin. You know, <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, just like a, I guess it's probably frowned upon though to fraternize with the uh, with the judges because they wouldn't want any biasness or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean not that they could. I mean most of I, I believe that most of what they say is scripted. Mm-hmm. Of course, right. Well, that's the thing with Dancing with the Stars too. Everything that the judges say is scripted, and I and I I actually even think that the scores uh, they create the scores throughout the week before the actual live performance. You know, I think that they figure uh-huh. out where they want to go with it before you even dance you know i don't know if it's like that on idol but it definitely was on, on well, stars yeah. we we do we do a like a rehearsal yes we do a dress rehearsal before the taping on mm-hmm. the same day um just a couple hours before they open up the doors and let the people in and turn on the cameras and go you know they'll have the judges will be in their bunkers and their bungalows and they'll be uh you know they'll be watching it and kind of like rehearsing what they're going to say and like okay these are which contestants and Right, you know, I, I I totally believe it's the same thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, and, and they, kind of, they they script it around you. That's why they do all the Hollywood Week stuff because they see who's who has the strongest personalities and who's the weak link and who's you know who's most susceptible to crying. <laughs> that was me. Uh, who's the most emotional? You know, I mean, I couldn't. Uh, sometimes I couldn't even open my mouth without shedding a few uh, lone, uh, you know. Lone uh, Native American yeah. years seeing trash on the freeway. <laughs> How did you feel? I mean, and another thing that that we have in common is we were both eliminated by the same song. <laughs> yeah, now that that's just horrible. I know we both chose "Don't Stop Believing." For you, it was songs that inspire week. For me, it was uh, I think it was they, they called it Guilty Pleasure Week or something like that. And I was like, you know, I want to do a Journey song. This is a great tune. And yet it came back and bit us both on the ass, and we both got eliminated almost on the same week. I think you lasted an extra week or two, but it was with the same song. Yeah, that was horrible. How, how was it uh, finally when you got eliminated? Did you feel that you could have made it further, or you should have made it further, or do you think that you were slotted pretty much where you, where you should have been? I can see it both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I actually think don't, you know, singing Don't Stop Believing was, was a bad idea because I did. I mean, we had to do a song that inspires you, and then we had to do a song by Lieber and Stoller. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so I did Love Potion Number Nine, but I did the Tigers of Pantang version. <laughs> of course, you did. So I, you know, I souped it up. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so I mean, I, I would have sung a different inspiring song. Mm-hmm. I had a couple that week 
one of them was Time of Your Life by Green Day, which I actually recorded. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just feel I should have done something more, a little bit softer. You know, coming out with Don't Stop Believing, opening the show, and then closing the show with a big, big rock and whatever. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I definitely would have. I really wanted to do uh, The Show Must Go On by Queen. Oh, wow. That would have been great. You kind of had yeah. that vibe. Because you did a Queen song earlier on, uh, too. You did Somebody to Love. Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, every single week I would I would go to the 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 song clearance people and and try and get different songs cleared, but a lot of the time, a lot of the time they wouldn't you know, they wouldn't be able to get anything. Right. Like every single week I had them go to Wendy Vio and see if she would clear Rainbow in the Dark. Wow. And she wouldn't allow it? Nope. You know, she kept coming back with with nicer nose. <laughs> wow. It's so weird too because Idol is so huge. You think that people would be kind of jumping at the chance to even even for like you know a Dio song to get on national TV? I mean that's yeah. kind of you know it's kind of the goal of, of all of us is to have your music heard and especially by you who respects it and loves it. Yeah, I mean so in in that case when I you know went on tour with my band we just played it every single night. So if you, if you ever <laughs> want to hear me sing Rainbow in the Dark, you can find about on YouTube you know, a thousand YouTube videos <laughs> of it. You mentioned songs that inspire. I mean, it seems like you know are you you're kind of an inspiration to you know thousands or millions of, of kids around the world that have Asperger's and have Tourette's. Is that something that you take pretty seriously, kind of being a spokesman for that? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't really think that it was when I started out. Mm -hmm. But then when I started to see, when I got to see how I was affecting people, and then when the, I mean, <clears throat> this is a really important week on Idol that we should talk about, was Songs Movies Week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to do heavy metal, mm -hmm. like Sammy Hagar from the, you know, whatever, 84 movie, uh, right. heavy metal. And Jimmy Iovine was telling me that, you know, you're, it's going to be terrible. You're not going to be able to live up to yourself and your ex everybody else's expectations of you. You're just going to sound like a Sammy Hagar wannabe and you're going to get eliminated. And I was like, dude, if I get eliminated, I'm going to get eliminated because of my choices and my decisions. If mm -hmm. I fail, I'm not going to have anyone that I need to blame. I'm not going to be coming back and blaming you and pointing fingers and talking smack. <laughs> yeah, if you're going, like if you're going down, no you're to blame but myself. Right, exactly. I'm going down as the captain of my own ship. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to make him eat it. And that's when I called you and I asked you uh, if I could have Zach Wilde's contact. That's right. Number, um, and... I started talking to Barb, and Zach actually thought that he was coming to play on Dancing. When he got <laughs> to the studio, he thought he was there to play on Dancing with the Stars. He, gets to the, he goes to the other side, and they're like, uh, no, there's no one by the name of James Irvin over here. You're looking for American Idol on the other side. And I just would have loved to see the look on his face, like, what the hell did I get myself into? American Idol? Are you kidding me? Well, it's pretty much the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, basically. And that's but so I, funny I, because I, 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 must, I have a, a, probably a text, uh, text stream you know, the, 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 what I said, uh, American Idol, James Durbin, American Idol, James Durbin, why they thought it was Dancing with the Stars, I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, he gets over there, and but something happened on that same day that, I mean, not even Zach Wilde being there could have made my smile any bigger and made me feel any more humble. 
same day, I got that I was someone's wish for Make-A-Wish. Oh, okay. That they wanted to hang out with me was their dying wish was to be my and hang out. And, yeah. Yeah. His name is Cole. His name is Cole Quapich. He's like 10 or 11 or 12 now. He had a double kidney transplant. I mean, his kidneys are still giving him trouble all the time, even to this day. But right then, he had had a double kidney transplant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all he wanted to do was hang out with me. And I'm like, but I'm just James Durbin from Santa Cruz. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that's the point where I was like, okay, I'm, you I'm mean someone something. that people that yeah. look up. I'm someone that people look up to. I'm what I always wanted. I've become for other people what I've always wanted for myself mm-hmm. was to have someone look up to where I could say, ever since I was a kid, I've pissed off the world because I didn't have someone that I could look up to to say, that person's exactly like me and they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Except for the, the closest thing to it was when I was nine years old and I got home from school being bullied and, and got my butt kicked and then came home and, uh, turned on the TV, and that was the first time I saw Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is it. These are my superheroes. These are my guys. Mm-hmm. You know, these are my guys to look up to. And yeah, because so, yeah. there really and, wasn't... And then Zach got there, and it was it was just crazy. There wasn't, um, you know, for, for, for Asperger's and Tourette's, I, can, I can't really think of anybody that was kind of in the public eye the way that you are. I mean, there wasn't really anybody that, with any kind of fame that, that had those type of diseases, uh, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool because Tourette's is more so uh, an overlooked thing. It's starting to get a little bit more attention. But, I mean, especially autism. Asperger's is high-functioning autism. And so I've gotten to play at autism benefits. I got to open for Rick Springfield and Dave Grohl um, at an autism event. Just acoustic. We're all playing, just us and our guitars. It was amazing. Uh, I just went and did another benefit where Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and John Mayer, and Brandy Carlisle played. And so you're kind of the go-to really, guy now, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool to actually be there and get to talk about it as someone who's kind of, I mean, I'm not really in the public eye, mm-hmm. but getting to do these things, I kind of am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, I, I think that that's what brought me back down to earth. And, and got my head out of my ass <laughs> after Idol was like seeing that I'm a role model to people. Mm-hmm. And as much as I've always wanted to be a heel, I can't. <laughs> I can't be. I just can't be. You know, I, I, I have to be, you know, I have to be Super Cena. <laughs> now, you talked about wrestling a few times. Who are your favorite, uh, before we wrap it up, who are your favorite wrestlers? Well, Chris Jericho. Smart um, kid. <laughs> um <laughs> Undertaker, uh, Macho Man. I'm really enjoying what the Shield is doing. Uh-huh. I, just, I just like it. I, I wasn't. I didn't really get it or understand it until mm-hmm. like a month ago. Mm. I'm like, all right, you know, you know, they're okay. But now I'm starting to kind of get dig it. it. Um, yeah, dig it. <laughs> well, it's cool that you've gotten a chance to work with the WWE too. I mean, that's that must be kind of fun for you to go and be hanging around with the guys. And I think the last time I saw you was at the WrestleMania party last year, maybe or a couple of years ago. So that must be kind of yeah, in Miami. Yeah, Miami. That's right. That's right. What's your uh, What's your favorite match of all time? I love. Uh, I mean, anything Rob Van Dam is, is going to be great. Wow. Um, okay. So you must be happy that he's back. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I like him a little bit better in his prime, and, and mm-hmm. but you know, you, you got to keep uh, keep giving the nod and, and keep being proud of your guys. Um, we we all get older, James. It oh, happens. I know. <laughs> um, I, I'd probably say that's not my favorite. I'd say my absolute favorite, and I'm not just playing favorites because I'm on your show. Mm-hmm. My absolute favorite match of all time is you versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. Oh, okay. That's uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people say that, and I would actually even probably put that one or, or Shawn Michaels or me versus Shawn Michaels in the latter match in 2008. Oh. I think those are probably my two two of my favorite matches. Uh, what for was sure. that? Was that Vengeance? Uh yes, two th- yeah the vengeance two thousand yes where I knocked my teeth out absolutely yeah, that's amazing too yeah, yeah it was it was a good match too uh, it's not just because it's it's brutal or you're both completely on it but it's also the storytelling in it well the, you know, the, it yeah, like- yeah it was the fact that we had got to that point because that that whole feud was supposed to be uh, a one night thing that we made into a seventh month seven month uh, classic story wow you know so the new record saying that the other the other it was what was it? Edge and Taker that were also. Yeah, that it was Michaels. Michaels and Jericho was happening on Raw, and Taker and Edge was happening on SmackDown. And you should, you know, they they should, they should put uh, both of those feuds together and put them yeah, on a double TV. double DVD. As here's a, here's the way to do it. You know, you yeah. want to, you want to learn how to tell a story. Here's how you do it. You know, or put it on the network or something like that. They should do a storyteller segment, kind of like a. Oh yeah, like, like MTV, like or, MTV yeah, of each one did. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, new record, celebrate. Uh, very, very big step forward for you, James. I, I like the last record for for the rock stylings, but this is a lot more mature as a songwriter, uh, as, as singing wise. Uh, I think it's going to be a big hit for you. Um, what's your, what's some of your favorite tracks from the record? I mean, all the tracks are probably your favorites, but if you had to pick a couple of them, I choose uh, "Children Under the Sun." You can't believe. You're not alone. Forget it. Every song on Celebrate. the record. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it took a long time to make the record. Yes, it was a lot of uh, a lot of brain power. Absolutely, it's a, it's a, it's a big undertaking to to create a record, to write it, record it, and get it done, and get it out there. All the press that you had to do, but like I said, man, I'm I'm proud of you. It's great to to know that you got record number two under your belt, and uh, it's great to to reconnect with you, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been too long. I mean, that and my wife is pregnant. Oh, second. congratulations, man. That's great. Yeah, thank you. So that's, you know, kind of got to stay home. and Yes, absolutely. Sure she needs the, need the pillow between her legs or something. <laughs> got to take care of mama. Well, you've always been a good family man, James. And like you said, you're uh, someone to look up to for, for a lot of people. So uh, thanks a lot, dude. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you soon. Amen. Thanks to James Durbin. Always great to talk to him. Really good guy. Got to check out his new album, Celebrate. Very, very diverse. Very cool. It's not what you'd expect, but the songs are amazing. James and his band are killing it. And thanks to Bray Wyatt for calling in and uh, putting a real creepy uh, pall over all the proceedings. We'll see him on Sunday at SummerSlam. We'll see you guys at the WWE Live event um, on Saturday in San Jose, also working with Bray Wyatt there. And Monday in Las Vegas for Raw and also Las Vegas at Zia Records for a uh, Do You Want to Start a War CD signing at noon. I will see you guys there. And thanks for those of you who picked up the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War. We're going to be hitting the road with Theory of a Dead Man starting September 17th. Lights Go Out is number 34 on the charts. Still climbing. Hey, might as well play it right now. This is the big hit single from Do You Want to Start a War. Lights Go Out. Crank it up. 
right? Such a cool song. The song of the summer and also the theme song for SummerSlam. Thanks to WWE for, uh, for uh, using that song and for accepting that song and for rocking with us, rocking with the Foz. And as promised, a few shout-outs to some of you for taking the time to leave ratings and comments at iTunes, Falcon Faithful, DeMaze Hayes, Vader06, Colt Sox, and Chad Venser. All gave us five-star ratings. Thanks so much. Mike Durbin commented my favorite parts of the Cowbell songs and the Canadian janitor Egypt. Egypt will make his big return uh, very soon, I'm sure. Big Dusty 618 said the same thing. Look forward to the Cowbell bit every episode. Who would have thought the Cowbell would be the highlight of the show? And Mike 5150 said, To hear an interview with Matthias Jabs from the Scorpions made my day. Big ups to all of you for listening. Wouldn't be doing this if not for you, so thank you so much. And wouldn't be doing this if not for my sponsors as well, who let me drop two shows for you every week for you for twice a week for free. And if you want to help support the show, the easiest way to do that is do your online shopping through my Amazon links. Easy to find. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho. You see all three of my Amazon links from the UK, USA, and Canada, A. Eh? Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show. So we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden charges. You're just getting your shopping done and helping me out in the process. All right. Thank you so much. That's it. Another fine episode of Talk is Jericho. In the meantime, and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you next week, and a big yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastOne.com.